Welcome to On The Mic Podcast. This is your host, Tim Drake. On today's episode, I have Beowulf Jones. Beowulf is the producer for the Live Risk Show here in Los Angeles. He also produces and hosts the show Turtle, a storytelling show at the Ruby. So I first got to know Beowulf when we were working together over at the Nerdist showroom at Meltdown. Uh, Beowulf was one of the first people to kind of welcome me in there. He was one of the techs at the show, and it was always such a great time working with Beowulf. I have a lot of great memories with him. And yeah, it was, it was so much fun getting to know him, even after all the time working with him over at Meltdown. And uh, I say that like it was years and years. It was only about six months uh, working with Beowulf over there. I, I thought I knew who Beowulf was and learned so much about him all throughout this episode. So many just incredibly fun stories. I had no idea he had worked on Wall Street at one point. That absolutely blew my mind. And he goes into that story uh, here, as well as how he got involved with Risk. Uh, if you're not familiar with Risk, we've had Kevin Allison on the podcast. It's an absolutely incredible storytelling uh, podcast. It's one of the most popular podcasts uh, all, all throughout all the different podcast platforms, whether it's Apple, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, any of the sites that you download podcasts from, Risk is always in the top podcast. And so it's one that I always suggest people listen to. Of course, Kevin Allison, like I said, he was on, I believe, episode 56 a few years ago. And yeah, it was great to have Beowulf on. That's kind of one of the first things we connected over uh, when I learned that he produced Risk and told him, hey, yeah, I, I talked to Kevin who created the show. It was really a good time finding out a lot about the things that Beowulf has worked on over the years. And, you know, it, it, it's such it's so much fun learning about people that, you know, you thought you knew and turns out they've got so much deeper of a story. Speaking of his storytelling classes, you can sign up for those here in Los Angeles at thestorystudio.org. All the pricing and everything is available there, um, as well as any dates of any upcoming classes. It's a two-day class, and it's something that, you know, I am highly considering taking. I've always wanted to get better at storytelling. Beowulf kind of shamed me a little bit uh, about some of my insecurities that I have. And after this episode, I honestly kind of had to look back at some of the things that, that I know I get in my own way with, where, you know, I, I haven't submitted things to risk, even though I've always wanted to. And it's because I feel like I, I can't get up and really tell a story the way that so many of them do, because I've seen so many great storytellers at a bunch of these different shows and they're always they, they just have such great humor involved and such emotion behind everything and I've always kind of I've looked down on what I'm able to do with that and Beowulf you know really just put it you know bluntly that I'm just standing in my own way and and I have promised on this episode that within the next couple months I will submit a story to risk and hopefully hopefully it'll be what they're looking for I've always loved the show of course that's why I had Kevin on you know a couple years ago and it's, it's again something that Beowulf and I connected over right away and yeah, I think you guys will really enjoy this. He's such a fascinating person. Again, he's somebody I just adored working with over at the Nerdist Showroom at Meltdown. And somebody that I think you guys will really enjoy getting to know uh, more. Just as I did. Like I said, there was so much I thought I knew about Beowulf, and I had only scratched the surface. If you aren't following us on social media, make sure you are doing so at On The Mic Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we've been doing our 31 Days of Horror all of October where we're taking you to a different location throughout Los Angeles that allegedly has a haunted past and telling you those stories in just a short little one minute video on Instagram. Uh, we've had so much fun doing these. Today we were at the uh, Chateau Marmont uh, down on Sunset. Very famous hotel and uh, it used to even be a residence for many of Hollywood's early stars. Um, even Johnny Depp and Keith Richards, so many people have stayed there, and it's allegedly haunted by John Belushi. So check that out. You can hear a little bit more of the story there and about the people that have, have supposedly seen Belushi's ghost uh, in Bungalow 3 there at the Chateau Marmont. 
So I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode with Beowulf Jones. Make sure if you're in Los Angeles and you're interested in storytelling, check out his class. I will have all the links for that up on the website at onthemicpodcast.com. And yeah, make sure you download and subscribe to the Risk Podcast. Again, it's an incredible podcast. It's going to make you laugh. It's going to make you cry. It's going to make you internalize things that you're doing in your life. It's just really a great show, and I highly encourage you to listen to that. Hope you guys enjoy this episode with Beowulf Jones. Stay tuned next week for two episodes. Again, one of our Halloween episodes, and then we will be live from Los Angeles Comic Con, formerly the Stan Lee Kamikaze. We're very excited to be checking that out. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. We'll see you next week. open an open conversation oh, okay it, it, honestly it was it was chris that gave me that advice i was like <laughs> i was like 12 episodes in and i felt like i was getting stale i didn't know how to talk to people like one of the first episodes with tracy morgan and i didn't know how to talk to tracy it's a very mm-hmm. awkward interview it was over the phone even at that <laughs> and i had no idea and uh, chris came to salt lake and i was doing a morning radio thing with him and i asked him i was just like i, I don't know what i'm doing he's like just have a conversation with people. He's like, don't, mm-hmm. don't worry about like interviewing them and trying to get all deep. Just talk to people. Oh, okay. I thought uh, you meant that you had like really strict, rigid segments. Like, well, the first seven minutes is gonna be the, uh, <laughs> you know, what you're looking forward to in the future, and then we go into Final Jeopardy, and then we, um, blah blah blah. <laughs> no, I might have been more successful honestly if I had that at the start, but. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it was just, I had listened to a lot of Nerdist and a lot of WTF, and was just like, I want to do the same thing, because we need more of that. And you are. Uh, you achieved your dream. I did. And hey, I'm at least over 100 episodes. There's a lot that can't oh say that. Oh my gosh, that. that's, a, that's a lot of work. This will that's be like number 142, I think. That's my favorite number. That's, that's a, it's a good number. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm glad that we could do this. I think this is the first time that we have seen each other since Meltdown Closed. Um, yeah, I've seen you on uh, the World Wide Web. Yes, um, I'm, I'm all over there. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen you on all the internet links. <laughs> but yeah, this is uh, the first time we've been together. Uh, welcome to the Bayo Mansion. This so is your first time in my home. It's, it's a lovely place. I like it. Thank you. I just want to make it known that I am holding my official Twin Peaks log. <laughs> this log, it's, it's official Twin Peaks merchandise. Really? Yeah, this is actually Twin Peaks swag. Um, and it's so comfy. Here, do you want to feel it? Let's, let's, oh, that is comfy. Isn't it comfy? It is. It's, yeah. it's, it's not felt, but what is the... Uh, I don't know what it's made of. Um, it's a very soft texture that's very pleasing. Mm-hmm. And it reads log, doesn't it? It I does mean, read log. It looks like a log, yeah. and logs aren't this comfy. If you had a fireplace in here, I could imagine you'd accidentally start to pick it up and be like, oh, oh soft <laughs> log. Soft oh, log. I'd be so sad. <laughs> I don't want to burn my Twin Peaks log. <laughs> It's a great pillow. If I was a dog or a cat, I would love it. So my, my cat would probably love that. Okay. She, she she would push it up against the wall and then lay against it. <laughs> Do you ever uh, give a heating pad to your cat? No, she she doesn't react well to heat. Oh, really? So like when we had our big heat wave this summer, mm-hmm. fucked her up beyond reason. Oh, God. Yeah, I can imagine that. I mean, it fucked me up beyond reason, and I don't yeah. even have fur. <laughs> But, um, no, I've uh, had several cats in my life who 
the heating pad was really a before and after moment for mm. them. And once they went heating pad, they never went back. But I mean, you know, uh, cats are individuals. Oh yes, with their <laughs> own takes and personality. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think if I did get her a heating pad, she'd probably be like, "Yeah, that's nice." Let me, <laughs> l- let, me s- let me see what else I can just randomly randomly sleep on. She'd go find something that I don't want her to sleep on. What's her name? Little one. What's her? Uh, what kind of cat? She like the actual breed is a Bombay, but she's a tuxedo cat. Oh, okay. So the little, little black and white cats, and she was the runt of her litter. <laughs> so she, uh, she's good, good and teeny. And we didn't have a name for her when we when we took her to the vet for the first time because mm-hmm. we had her and her brother who passed away sadly last year. Oh, I'm sorry. But he, uh, we had both of them that their mom, who was a stray, kind of lived on our balcony, mm-hmm. and she brought them to us. Oh. And so we we took them in and. When we took him to the vet, we just didn't have a name. And I was like, uh, little one, just put that down for now. <laughs> and it's stuck. And it is like it fits her perfectly. <laughs> Do you have like a nickname for her that's more concise than little one? Um, so for whatever reason, it's Beps is what we usually call Aww, her. Oh, Beps. But this is the reason why is we, we all it, it had first been Beppo. And we mm-hmm. don't know where the hell that came from. <laughs> but I had... I walked past a Buca de Beppo one day, mm-hmm. and I just looked at her, and I was just like, Buca de Beppo, and in, in a very culturally insensitive uh, accent. And <laughs> Now, I know you're a comedy guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, Beppo reminds me of Zeppo. Ah. Um, and I don't think it's fair that he's often separated from the rest of the Marx Brothers. No, he's, I, I don't even think of him as separated from the Marx Brothers, but you're right, he is. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you see Marx Brothers posters, and it's just uh, just three of them. Yeah, the, uh, the, at least the DVD collection I quite literally have in my Amazon cart right now has all four of them on it. Mm-hmm. Good. So. I mean, sure, just because he didn't do comedy, he sang. Yeah. They have to have a straight man in those movies. Yeah, and he, and he did it wonderfully. He, he did it great. But yeah, I, I said that to her, and she looked up at me and meowed, almost offended. <laughs> and it became that funny to my wife and I that that just became her her nickname. Oh, because she hates it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but she responds to it all the time now. It kind of was just like, yeah, fuck you. I'm Not okay, always I easy I'm getting a cat to respond. Yeah, she and she responds. She's almost like a dog, and I think it's because I only had dogs as kids, mm-hmm. and or dogs when I was a kid, not kid dogs. <laughs> and and so that's the only way I knew how to raise them. So I raised both the cats like a dog. I'm and sure they were raised well. Yeah, they, they 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 are spoiled and raised very well. Well, at least she still is being raised well. So he is he is under the ground back in Utah. He's now being <laughs> raised in heaven. Yes. <laughs> so but I this is technically your second time on the podcast the first time it kind is. of inadvertently oh how did that happen because when we did the uh the meltdown video mm-hmm. so there were a lot of people that i knew wouldn't be getting on youtube especially to watch a 45 minute video mm-hmm. and so i released it as a podcast episode so that people could still hear all of those interviews but what wasn't the final product like over 30 minutes oh yeah it's 45 minutes Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I thought you meant that you weren't going to put up a 45-minute video. Oh, no, I, I put it up. I, I put up the 45-minute video, but I just knew there were a ton of people that weren't going to sit down gotcha. and watch that. Okay, I understand. That would listen to it that wanted to hear the conversation. So I just put it up as a podcast episode. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, t- it's technically your 
your your second adventure here, but only your first great official. to be back. <laughs> um, I remember thinking, well, uh, whatever, forget it. No, go go ahead. I was just, uh, uh, I remember thinking some of what I said in the interview uh, for the the video that you made. I was like, oh yeah, that's making it in. That that was pretty good. Yeah. And then I was like, huh, you didn't put that in. <laughs> I guess Tim didn't think that was funny. No, because I there were plenty of things that I wanted to put in from everybody that mm-hmm. were really funny, and when I just kept looking at the time getting longer <laughs> and longer. I I remember when I came to to Max and Lauren before the I uh, remember that too before the final one. And I was like, it's as short as I could make it. It's twenty one minutes, and, <laughs> and and at that point you weren't even in it yet because I was cutting so fast. Mm-hmm. And there was like 10 people that still were not in it, and it was at 21 minutes. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, there was a lot to say about that place. There, there was, and I still have thought. I have enough footage to be able to make a full feature-length documentary. Go for it. And I've thought about, I've, I've still thought about going forward and re-editing and try, try, trying to put that together because a lot of us really loved that place. I only got to spend a short time like officially as staff there, but... Yeah, I was there nearly open to close. I missed the the ta- the very beginning. I was going to say the tail beginning. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's the <laughs> expression. Um, I missed the very beginning, but I came on board pretty shortly after. Um, I don't think it had even been open a year uh, when I came aboard. Well, so, so it was like, what, 2000, 2011 or so yeah. when you came in? Um, I moved uh, to L.A. Oh, God, I feel horrible saying this now. I moved uh, to L.A., um, I think, February 2012. Okay. And uh, I got set up there right away. Okay, so yeah, it hadn't even been a full year that it had been open yet mm-hmm. at that point. So that, see, that you, you, you were so lucky to be able to be part of all. I'm so envious that you got, <laughs> you got to be there for so much of it because that was about the time that First time I came there was 2013, I think. Mm-hmm. It was either the end of 2012, first part of 2013. Do you remember what you saw? So it was, I think it was a meltdown show. Okay. So it, w- it was it was one of the early meltdown shows, and then one of the next things I saw, I think, was beta test. Ah, uh, which one? And uh, it was it was one with uh, T.J. Miller, April uh. Richardson, Justin Willem, Willman. Wilman, yes. Justin Wilman. And there was one other on the show. Hardwick was on it, of course. Mm-hmm. And then I can't remember who the other person was that was on the show. And I remember Lorraine Newman was sitting just adjacent from me. <laughs> and the entire time, we were all sitting there. We were like, who is that? I know. And she was wearing a, a David Letterman like jacket. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I know who that is, but I can't put a name to the... Like it was driving me crazy, and then she tweeted about it later that night, and then I was just like, oh, "I was sitting like five feet from Lorraine Newman." Oh, what did she tweet? She just tweeted how much fun it was, and then April Richardson freaked out, and Hardwick freaked out because they couldn't believe that she was there, mm-hmm. and just like enjoying the show in the back of a comic book store. Yeah, it was cool whenever uh, Lorraine Newman was around because I just remember like I, you know, she was started at all in 1975. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that was, yeah, I'm very grateful for a lot of the people that came through that space. Yeah, it was, I, I still think one of my all-time favorite shows there was uh, Emily Gordon's book release. 
Mm-hmm. So that was, and these were, this is the crazy thing. These were all before I lived in LA. This was me driving back and forth between Salt Lake City. <laughs> oh my gosh. How many and hours is that? It's an eight and a half, nine hour drive. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it, it was us coming out here to record podcast episodes and go to Meltdown. That was pretty much it. And you should go to a taping of Conan. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it, that was pretty much it was podcasting Conan, maybe do an open mic somewhere and go to as many meltdown shows as we possibly could while we were here oh that's so cool and yeah it was that was the first time i'd met kamel even was at mm-hmm. uh was at emily's book release oh okay so and i, I still don't think he ever remembers my name <laughs> but that that's okay so there, there's a handful of them that that never remember my name and i always just think it's kind of funny um speaking of kamel he and uh pete holmes were my predecessors as uh risk host um, oh, oh that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, wh- when I moved here, it was Pete and Kamel. And, um, you know, we quickly discovered they just did not have the chops for uh, our room. And um, <laughs> so, you know, I'm clearly much more qualified uh, to do anything showbiz related than they are. <laughs> and ultimately, that's why I am so much more infinitely successful right now yeah. than they will mm. ever be. They do not have a Twin Peaks log. They don't have a Twin Peaks log. And I know that I inspire them, but I think they might also be threatened by me um, because <laughs> they know that they just don't have it quite like right. I do. And that's why, that's why I host risk now and not them. Pe- people think crashing is Pete's story. It's the Beowulf story. Really. <laughs> he stole my story. It's <laughs> yeah. Crashing is about the time I uh, got divorced and didn't have a place to live. So I just, crashed on people's couch that's the plot of crashing isn't it yeah and, and okay quite, cool. quite literally i mean you were divorced from lauren lapkus and mm-hmm. yeah um yeah i just <laughs> feel bad for her that she doesn't get to be married to me anymore but oh yeah well. i mean her loss i just hope she's doing okay yeah yeah me too mm-hmm. so <laughs> i should reach out to her <laughs> so uh w- now it's it's funny too that you mentioned risk i mean granted that there was something we would probably be talking about too because kevin allison of course was uh he was on the podcast uh kind of early on it was o- it was only a phone interview i've never met kevin in person but oh he's delightful uh what episode was kevin on oh kevin is number 56 i think okay so less than 100 later you got me yeah that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah i was i was so excited to have to have kevin on and i'd only recently discovered risk oh okay. so it, w- it was very exciting to, to have his publicist reach out and be like, "Hey, are you familiar with Kevin Allison?" And I was like, "Yeah, kind of obsessed with the state." So, his pub yeah, was, was it JC who reached out? No, it was a different. It was it was whoever was doing some of the touring um, okay. publicity. So, because they were bringing uh, Risk to Salt Lake City, and oh yeah, that sounds like something Risk would do. Yeah, and it was a. It, 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 it was a, it was a good time. So he was probably one of the only phone guests that called in and said, "How much time would you like?" And <laughs> I was just like, "Not only is this guy like one of my idols, but he's saying, how much time do you want?'" Gee, I can't even <laughs> get that much time from him. Um, but he doesn't need much time from me. He talks to me all the time. Um, <laughs> this is going to sound like a stupid question, but a, I'm not that intelligent, and uh, b, I'm horrible with geography. Salt Lake City, is that the Mormon place? Yes, it is. Okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Were you at the Risk Show at Salt Lake City where there was 
um, a performer who was under 21, and she traveled like eight hours to get there. I don't know why it had to be the Salt Lake City show she did, but for some reason it did. And she traveled like eight hours to get there, and then when she got there, they wouldn't let her in the club. So I was not there, but I heard this story, I think. Okay, yeah, Kevin's solution, um, he took the microphone and he took it just outside the front door <laughs> and made the entire audience turn around <laughs> so she could still tell her story. That's amazing. Yeah, that's... Um, and a true testament to who Kevin Allison is. He is the quite possibly the silliest person I have ever met in my life. He is um, inspiringly uh, ridiculous. Um like, for example, just yesterday, uh, I, I, I don't know if you're aware, uh, Risk released its first book this year. Yes. Um, Kevin recorded a song called By the Risk Book, The Song, and it came out yesterday. I think I saw you post this. It's up on SoundCloud, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's very good. I highly recommend everyone <laughs> go listen to this song because it's, um, it's incredible. Oh, I, I still need to check it out. So I, I saw it, and it was one of those, I'll get to that. Mm-hmm. And then probably like a week, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I still need to listen to that. When you're editing this, if you like put a clip of that song on, I can guarantee we will not sue you. <laughs> in that case, we'll put it in right here. Have you bought the Risk book yet? If you have, buy more for friends. There are all new versions of classic stories and six never heard before elsewhere. There's a bunch of famous people in it. Say what? You and a revolving offers. The Risk book has stories that are funny and scary and lovely and totally fucked the gift of gift to friends and it's getting all kinds of raves on audiobook ebook and paperback where books are sold or the riskbook.com buy the risk That was a great song. That it's was, incredible. It is That's a great what I was song. telling you. It's yeah. an amazing song. Yeah, it. I, I. I loved it. It was absolutely fantastic. So now the the risk book. Did Did you have much of a part within the kind of creation of that, or <laughs> does, does Does Kevin and and everybody with Risk just kind of be like Beowulf? You do the live shows in L.A. and we handle the rest. Or how how, how, do, how does your dynamic kind of fit into all of it? Um, I, I get to produce and host, uh, the LA show. Um, you know, if it's, they pretty much, uh, leave it to me to do, but obviously, you know, if there's someone they want, uh, that person's getting on stage. Yeah. Um, or, you know, I'll have special instructions, uh, from time to time. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's going really well. We just got renewed for another year at bootleg. Um, and uh, it's probably the most heart I've ever put into any project. Uh, I really, really love it. Uh, I'm grateful for it. Um, 
And uh, I mean, I work with the rest of the Risk team on, uh, we do a lot of prep for the live shows. Um, like, it's, I, it, it's a pain in the ass to get on Risk. Yeah. Like, do you know what you have to do? I know, if I, if I'm, if I remember right, you have to, like, submit a story, but then the story kind of has to be vetted. They have to make sure that, like, you can actually tell a story. Yeah, it's... And uh, it has to fit, like, a certain theme, doesn't it? It doesn't necessarily have Or is that more of, like, the touring show that kind of has more of a theme? Uh, risk... I, I mean, we have themes for shows, but if... I don't know. Let's say the theme is uh, explosive. You know, if you have an incredible, emotionally loaded story that has nothing to do with explosive, then we still want to hear that story. Um, so the themes are there for inspiration, but like we, you know, and conversely, we've never had an audience member storm out of a show, like being like, that incredible story I just heard that moved me very much had nothing to do with explosive. <laughs> um, although, wouldn't it be cool if they did do that? That would be kind of cool. That would be, <laughs> I would love that audience member. <laughs> um, but no, it's, uh, you've got to submit a pitch. And then uh, if, if the pitch is approved, then, um, you know, we need to do, uh, you need to submit like a 10 minute uh, recording or is it five minutes? Five to 10 minutes. I think we say five minutes and people usually do 10 minutes. Um, a recording and then receive feedback on the recording. And then from there, if you get cast before the show, you uh, do a phone call with for the Los Angeles show. It's uh, me and my New York colleague, uh, Michelle uh, Walson, uh, who is amazing. Hi, Michelle. Um, and then you get on the show. That's a lot of work yeah. to, to get on a show. Um, but that's why it's such a high-quality show. Is it's well, <laughs> well, it's well vetted. <laughs> it, yeah, it is. And um, one thing that I really like a lot about uh, Risk is that, uh, you know, you don't have to be like a celebrity or whatever to be on the show. Um, or a comedian, anyone who had something incredible happen to them, uh, you know, we'll, we'll put on stage if it's a great story. Um, and so it's, I've, I've had a lot of, uh, really wonderful experiences of, you know, people who've never even been on stage before, just, uh, like really discovering that side of themselves, uh, when they do the show, uh, it's gratifying to watch. I I have always wanted to submit, but part of me is, as much as I've enjoyed doing stand-up in the past, and I love writing satire and stuff, mm -hmm. I always feel like I, I don't have the chops to do the storytelling, because oh, it's done. Oh, of course you do. That's ridiculous. So, and I know it's ridiculous. And part of me, and, and this is not an intentional segue, mm -hmm. but part of me is because I need a class on storytelling. And oh my god, that's so funny! And, and again, you say like that I said, because, not an uh, intentional segue. Oh, so this is the time for that yet? Uh, we, 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 we can. What I'm trying that. to say is, I teach storytelling. <laughs> I teach wonderful, amazing classes. <laughs> Tim and anyone else should take them. Go to the storystudio.org or go to the Ruby and select classes. <laughs> Yeah, totally unintentional. My segue. name is Beowulf <laughs> Jones, but yeah, very, very much that's what has been kind of what it is. Is I don't, I don't feel like I know how to properly tell a story because I even see that, like with your other show, Turtle, mm -hmm. where it's a storytelling show as well, and I I love the aspect of storytelling, 
but then it comes down to I I think it's just my self conscious bullshit getting into my head. Like that's exactly what it is. I, it's I, your self conscious bullshit. Can't do it that way, but I know I could. But then I just tell myself I can't. <laughs> you can't. Who do you think these people on stage <laughs> telling stories are? We're not special people. You like attention just as much as any of us. Get if, up if on that not, stage and if tell not a story. More. <laughs> <laughs> Stop standing in your own way. I'm I mean, so, I'm, I'm so good at standing in my own way. Mm-hmm, I know, I am too. If if there if there was a wall in front of me, it would just truly be built of a million me's, just all, <laughs> just all stacked up. Well, there's a fucking wall there. Uh, I'm just picturing the building inspector who's like, <laughs> and this is a wall made from Tim Drake's, not standard <laughs> regulation. A little fatter than I thought it would be. Uh. Aww. <laughs> So See, self-deprecating wit <laughs> like that could be used to affect in the live storytelling. So I, I, I will make a goal then in the next few months. I will actually submit something good to you guys and 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 then prepare for rejection. Uh. <laughs> no, you wouldn't get rejection. You would get well. I mean, you know, maybe you would. I don't know. I, I'm not a mind reader, but um, <laughs> my uh, feeling is you would get very supportive feedback. So, and, and I'm always for feedback. I, I think that's one thing, when, whether it's storytelling or writing, anything within that regard, it would always surprise me when, when I would see, like when I was going through Second City, mm-hmm. and I would see people that would get feedback that would just be like, yeah, fuck your feedback. Like, this is what I wrote. And I was like, no. Like, <laughs> I, I eat up feedback. Like, you have to know when to like kind of be precious about something that you did. But for the most part, it's like, no, you have to internalize what people are saying and Mm-hmm. And be able to to adjust, and it, it it made it made my time at Second City and pitching articles and things like that go a hell of a lot easier. Sure, to, to to mold things into what people wanted to see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I I love feedback too. It's incredibly valuable. But I remember when I was first getting started, uh, I knew nothing about anything and assumed I knew everything. Um, so I think I had like I had this dumb little ego when I was like, I don't know, like 19 or 20. And it, I would probably respond to like, oh, you just don't get what I'm trying to do, which yeah. is ridiculous. <laughs> they got exactly what I was trying to do and were offering suggestions on how to actually make it something worthwhile. Yeah. Um, but I went through that at the beginning. I had to grow. Everybody learns at their own pace. Yeah, they they definitely. I I I'm sure before I even got into comedy and writing, when I was doing stuff within music, I know I was that little pretentious douchebag <laughs> that was just like, no, I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Look at look at this. I'm working with all these bands, and I would, sure I was a little fucker. And there's probably people still out there that are like, yeah, he was a fucker. <laughs> and I'm sorry to all of them. I totally was. And I if I if I knew who I should apologize to from those times, I would write them the longest letter and beg <laughs> for forgiveness because I'm sure I was a pretentious little douche and did not want to hear anybody's feedback. <laughs> I would imagine it's water under the bridge at this point. One, don't you find as you get... Well, hold on. How about I won't put words in your mouth and I'll make the statement. All right. <laughs> I find that as I get older, like people who... Um, who I, I've like clashed with or or really disliked, like by the time you've been in my life for ten years, uh, I like you. I mean, yeah. it's uh, even if it's just nostalgia from when I was younger and I didn't like you. Um, <laughs> I like if I like people now. It's I think it's just a matter of being there uh, long enough. 
I, I, no, I, th- I think that's absolutely right. I mean, it's not. So, so no, you weren't going to put words in my mouth. I, I, I totally would agree with that. I Yay. Mean, e- even when I look at like people that are Facebook friends, I'll, I'll go through and do the occasional clean out, and mm-hmm. believe it or not, I don't have to announce I did it on Facebook <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> But I'll, I'll go through and I'll do the occasional you guys, clean Guys, I'm thinking about leaving Facebook. <laughs> I just wanted to let you know. And, and there's always people in there that I'm just like, I never even cared for this person, but I kind of like that they're in my life in a digital way. And mm-hmm. it's, it, it's fascinating to be able to kind of see everything like that. Yeah, I do have to unfollow some people. Yeah. Um, there's some people who I find a little insufferable. And as I say that, I'm sure there are people who have unfollowed me because they find me insufferable. So it's yeah. a nice little wheel. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm sure right now, even, as we've been with the podcast, we've been doing our 31 Days of Horror, where we're, we've, oh. been, uh, we've been going to a different location around Hollywood and Los Angeles that's allegedly haunted. Mm-hmm. And just doing these one-minute videos of the history of it. Do you have ghost stories? Kind of. Because uh, back to risk. Um, <laughs> the October show is the most difficult show to cast uh, okay. every single year. Um, and we are taking pitches for ghost stories, scary stories, supernatural stories year round in order to prep uh, the Halloween show. And it's always such a pain in the ass. And I have a th- getting these stories and I have a theory and my theory of why it's so hard to get like ghost stories is because ghosts aren't real yes. because um, each December is the holiday show and we never have a problem getting holiday stories because <laughs> holidays are real. Like we all know they happen. Tell them you want baby Jesus stories and then see where see where it comes from oh gosh that would be a crazy (laughs) night that we would probably sell out to a crowd we don't usually get (laughs) i mean hey i'm up for it hey welcoming in a new crowd right (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. always looking for new listeners i i I think i may have some ghost stories so maybe i'll have to send please send some of those over even just the last even over the weekend while we were filming a handful of them we had some weird uh some weird experiences. Dad, you're already cast for October 2019. <laughs> so yeah, there, 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 there's probably been some people that have that have unfollowed with every single day where we're like, here's a new video, here's a new video. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that there's been the people that are just like, we get it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But for the most part, we've had a lot of people responding. They're just like, these are fun. <laughs> we're like, all right, good. We were just taking our taking a risk on this, hoping that people would uh. We find this fun. And Are you aware, um, speaking of fun things we do on the internet, uh, I have something of an announcement. Uh, you c- this could be a Tim Drake exclusive. I'll take it. Um, I have started a second Instagram account. Okay. It's called Beowulf Reads X-Men. <laughs> and each day I go one issue per day, uh, issue by issue, covering all all the titles in Chris Claremont's 17-year X-Men run. Wow. And it is, I love it so much. It is such, I never knew I could find such happiness on Instagram and that that happiness would come from my own account. (laughs) Um, But I, it is, I just, uh, I'm creating like a little thing of memories of all my favorite X-Men memories. And um, I, I just love it. Um, 
I'm doing pretty good. Last time I checked, uh, I'm not looking to blow your mind here. Um, I had over 33 followers. Ooh. It's 34. Wow. I have 34 followers. Soon to be 35. Hey, hey. <laughs> I'll take it. I, I like that concept. I, I, I remember seeing you post something about possibly even doing a podcast along, uh, along that realm. Or am I, or am I, for, am I uh, smashing up a couple things that you had said? Oh, uh, well, maybe both. I think, like, I may have just said something online once about thinking of starting an X-Men podcast or would anyone want to start an X-Men podcast? But um, I don't know. I think it was a whim. It <laughs> came and it went. I have other things I'm doing. But you've at least got the Instagram. That, 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 that It's definitely something I will follow. Thank you. Be- Beowulf reads X-Men. Mm-hmm. So I like it. So in fact, I will. I will just so I don't even forget until I go back through and edit. So I will. I will follow it right now. So oh nobody, nobody can be like, "You're full of shit. You don't. You don't follow." I, I always would follow. confirm it. I don't have my phone with me. So <laughs> do you want me to go get my phone so I can confirm on the air that you followed? We. You, you can watch me do it. Here. Oh, okay. All right. Here we go. Bayo. If I could type. Like with my left hand. Yeah, you're holding a microphone in your right hand, so I. Beowulf reads X Men, and followed thirty six. Thirty six. Woo! See, ju- this is not even live yet, and mm-hmm. somebody knew. People are already. <laughs> People are already like. My next door neighbor was probably like listening to us and like, ooh, new Instagram account. <laughs> he's Sign got his ear up. pressed against the wall, and it's just like I'm on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So in 22 posts already. So Yeah, one a day. I took um, a week off for grief um, because, oh, yeah, there was a whole bunch of death happening. So uh, I took a week off for that because um, I was sad. Um, but now I'm back on my X-Men game. So uh, I'm, I'm sure everybody is glad that you're back. <laughs> all 36 <laughs> all 30, of them all 36 of us yeah i mean and, and that's why i do it i do it for the fans because like that week that i was off i was probably at like 33 followers at that point <laughs> and they were probably just like where are these posts i have nothing else in my life to live for and it's not like there's information on the x-men anywhere else on the internet um so you know that uh, that gave me the strength <laughs> the, that I needed to persevere and get back on the horse. I, I'm determined that people are going to listen to this <laughs> and, th- and that will at least get you to 37. Oh, that's a dream, <laughs> you know, because the holidays are coming up, and I want to be able to sit around the Thanksgiving table and tell my parents, "Look, I've got 37 followers on my second Instagram account." And, and if your family's anything like mine, they'll be like unfollowed, and they're like, "Oh, 36." No. No, I think they would be. Uh, they probably don't know what Instagram is. <laughs> uh, my my family has all kind of started to finally join Instagram and all of that, except for my dad, who was just convinced that any anything and everything is still in your identity. And, <laughs> and yeah, it's 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 just it, it's it's never going to happen for him. My nephew Gavin um, follows me on Instagram. And I'm always, he's like, I don't know, like 16 or 17 now. Sorry, I don't remember your age, Gavin. Um, but I think I'm right. I think it's either 16 <laughs> or 17. Like, I'm definitely within the ballpark. And I'm willing to bet you don't know how old I am either. So we're even. Um, but he, um, every time I see his posts, I'm like, 
how is this kid so much cooler than me? Was <laughs> was I ever even this cool when I was his age? Because I don't know that I was. And I think about what's he going to be like when he's my age? And um, I think he'll be an icon. That th- That's a lot coming from an uncle to be able to be like, yeah, he my my nephew will be an icon. <laughs> I mean, not to put any pressure on him. Uh, I have two nephews. Uh, they're both fantastic. I I look up to both of them. They're my heroes. See, I I have more nieces and nephews than I can count. Okay, I only have two, and I can count that high. One, <laughs> two. You are lucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, I've I have two. Like one of my brothers had had a kid, and my sister had a kid. So I at least know those two. But then on my wife's side. She was the baby of the family by a of long, how many? by a long of eight, eight. Oh, that's a lot of kids. I think of eight. Yeah, it's a lot to keep straight. You can't be faulted for like forgetting one of them. Yeah, so I, I, I remember all of her siblings, but then all of their kids. I, I, I can't keep track. I'm sure if I sat down and like listed them out, mm-hmm. I probably could. But some of them. And if my sister-in-law, Jessica, listens to this, this will make her laugh because I probably can only name some of her kids as boy five and boy <laughs> and boy six because for her kids' own, like, discretion, that's just how she refers to them on the internet. You need a dramatis personae. Uh, yes. I, 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 I would appreciate that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, with accompanying headshots. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to have to do that at home. <laughs> I mean, I would. I wouldn't be able to keep that many people straight. Yeah, so I just know I know them as boy five and boy six and girl three. Yeah, I, th- I think I know the first three for sure. And then the rest of them, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> I mean, it's like Wu-Tang. I, I know the nine, but once we get <laughs> to like the affiliates and the associates... Um, I mean, that's just too many for me to keep track of. I think I can only name two of them in Wu-Tang. I bet you can name three. Why don't you try? Because there, there's RZA. Yeah. And is Ghostface Killer? Yep, yep, that's two. That's, I think, all I've, I... I'm sure if you name them, I'll be like, oh, yeah, like I know who they are, but then I never think of them as Wu-Tang. Let's see. I haven't thought about this in a while. I haven't listened to Wu-Tang in a while, but let's see if I can do it. Um, okay. There's RZA. There's also Jizza, and there's Ghostface, and there's Method Man. See, and Method Man, I forgot was Wu Tang. Yeah, see, Method Man's Wu Tang. Um, Capadonna, uh, You God, Old Dirty Bastard. I forgot he was part of Wu Tang as yeah, well. Yeah, he was. He's a uh, rest in peace. And. Um, Shit, I'm blanking on the other two, and at least one of them is one of the bigger ones. Um, oh, shoot. Who was it? Who was it? Who am I missing? See, this is one of those things, too, that I blame growing up in Utah for, uh-huh. is hip-hop was not a really much of a thing. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, U- Utah is wider than most shades of mayonnaise, so... Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't exactly grow up in Compton. Um, but but you, because you grew up in New York, right? No, I grew up in Canada. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I didn't move to New York until I was like 22. I always forget that you that you are Canadian. That's weird because sometimes... I, I always associate you with New York. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> um, 
often when I tell people I'm Canadian, they will respond, oh, that makes so much sense. <laughs> and every time... That's why you have a log pillow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Twin Peaks was over only on the border of Canada. <laughs> Besides, many Americans like Twin Peaks and have official Twin Peaks log swag. Um, but one thing I do is... Uh, I mentor uh, fifth graders at uh, Santa Monica Boulevard Charter School in storytelling. Um, it's called the Young Storytellers Program. And one of the fifth graders this semester is obsessed with Eminem, like just won't stop talking about Eminem. And in my head, I'm like, what fifth grader is allowed to listen right. to Eminem? And then at the same time, I'm like, oh, shit, when I was in fifth grade, I was listening to N.W.A., yeah, <laughs> and and I turned out okay. Well, I didn't turn out okay, but the reason I turned out like however I turned out, it had nothing to do with me listening to N.W.A. Okay. <laughs> so when when did Wu Tang come into the mix for you though? Wu Tang was that was that still like fifth sixth grade or was that later on? No, I think I was. That was more like junior high. I I think. Um. Because I think, like, uh, West Coast had already been, like, real. well, both coasts had already been established, but I think uh, this was, like, after Death Row got real big. When did, uh, when did Chambers come out? Like, um, I don't know, I want to say, like, 92 or 93? I, c I couldn't tell you. Again, w Utah. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> yep. We had Osmonds. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, Utah is Mormon town. So I yeah, I guess that there wouldn't be a thriving hip hop community there. No. Maybe there is now. I don't know. There, there? <laughs> there as as far as far as it really goes with what most people in Utah would know is a rap artist named James the Mormon. <laughs> and this this is not a promotion for him because I think his music is cheesy as shit. So a lot of people think he's really good, but I think his music is cheesy as shit. <laughs> and he could probably say, so, uh, props to him. He gets a lot of YouTube views and people buy his music. James the Mormon. But it's, yeah. His it's, flow's it's, whack, but his <laughs> words really speak to me. It's like Joseph Smith himself is talking to him. Um, okay, obviously, you know, we talked about the X-Men, and I'm posting something from a 17-year saga. So you know I like soap operas. You know I like story. Um, like, for example, before Disney bought Star Wars, I spent years of my life reading tens of thousands of pages of those Star Wars books that yeah. are no longer canon just because I wanted all the story. I remember uh, as a little kid in Canada, um, I would eat lunch and uh, at noon and watch two episodes of Lucy because they had two episodes okay. on back to back, one at noon and one at noon 30. And... Um, the commercial every day was for the Book of Mormon. Um, really? Yeah. The, uh, not the play, obviously. Yeah. But the actual book from the Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints. And I didn't know what religion was. All I knew about Jesus was that when I went to the dentist, there was a picture book. And, uh, <laughs> and Jesus seemed to be the main character. And he would do some pretty cool stuff now and then. So I was into him. And they would talk about, like, you know... When Jesus came to America and by you can call this 800 number and they'll send you a free copy of the Book of Mormon. And I remember 
begging and pleading with my mother to just call the number <laughs> because I like I wanted to know the story and she I understand now why obviously yeah. or I understand why now obviously um but uh like at the time I would just be doing that sobbing where you have to like stop and regain control of your breath <laughs> and I remember like just pleading with her saying things like buddy talks to Jesus talks to the native Americans don't you want to know what he said to them <laughs> and I still don't know what he said to them do you know you grew up in Utah I'm trying to think if I even remember what he said to them I mean, I'm assuming it was just your typical Jesus stuff. Like it it, it, it was, if I remember right, as the story goes, he came down to them and showed, like, the crucifixion marks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Gave out blessings like he did. Yeah. And then then caught his flight back. Okay. See, that that's all I wanted to know. Yeah. I, I, if, if I remember right, so, see, somebody in Utah is going to listen to this and they're going to be like, you were raised here and that's what you got out of it. I hope someone from Utah hears this and explains to me just what I missed by not reading the Book of Mormon. And um, oh, there were so many tears in the in the, Jones in the first part of it. That. A guy got gets his head cut off. What? Yeah, that's in the first part of it. Okay, kid me wanted to know that. Yeah, yeah. He he gets he gets drunk and they chop his head off so that they can uh, so that they can steal the uh, the first part of the Book of Mormon. Wow. Yeah, there, there's that. See, it, it's a funny thing that Mormons are also encouraged not to watch R-rated movies, but mm -hmm. they're encouraged to repetitively read a book that would definitely be <laughs> considered R-rated. That was the other <laughs> thing. My parents were very, very strict, like even when I was like 16 years old, that I was not allowed to see R-rated movies. So you think they would be in line with the Mormons. Yeah. And get me that book. Just the sense of injustice that I felt. <laughs> because it was free. They paid for shipping and everything. Like, I could understand if there were, like, you know, no, work's been slow lately. We don't have the money to buy this book. But they were just, like, free copy, no strings attached. I couldn't. Oh. And little did you know how many strings that came with. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of strings. Still, to this day, you'd be like, why the fuck do I have a string on me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're. Trust me, I find loose strings all the time. All right. Well, <laughs> thank you, Mother Jones, for uh, <laughs> not getting string on me. What, what was it that finally took you from Canada to New York? Well, my dad got transferred to the States uh, before I moved to New York. Okay. So um, that's what brought us to the United States. What, of what part of Canada were you in, too? Uh, Sarnia, Ontario, which okay. I remember it is this like idyllic little place. It was just a you know wonderland because I was a kid and yeah. everything's great when you're a kid. I just found out a week ago, but I, gu I guess the m closest major city to it is Toronto, and I just found out like a week ago from a dude who moved here to Los Angeles from Toronto that Sarnia has literally the worst air in all of Canada. And everybody knows this, except I didn't because I was a kid. But Sarnia is referred to as Chemical Valley. And oh. Vice actually just did a 30-minute documentary on uh, Sarnia, Chemical Valley, Ontario, and just how awful the air is. Wow. Um, well, Vice, I will raise you one. Come visit Salt Lake City in January, where most, most of the time it is some of the worst air in the world. Oh, really? Bad yeah. air in Salt Lake City? Oh, yeah, because you have mountains on both sides of you, so it just creates a bowl. 
Oh. And the inversion gets to be so bad you can like feel the dirt in the air. Oh, that shows how it, dumb it, it I looks am. Like I a, it looks like a gritty porn. Oh, okay. So in the in the mountains, it's wonderful. Every every year for Sundance, it was always great to get up into Park City and breathe that nice fresh air. And then as you'd start the trek back down, you would just look out over the haze where you couldn't even see the city. Mm-hmm. Like pe- people come come to Los Angeles and they're just like, oh, the air. And I'm like, this is nothing. It's <laughs> like I can still see the city when I go. Like I live below the observatory. And when I, when I go up to the observatory, it's like, I can still see the city. Mm-hmm. Like, no, when, when the air is bad in Salt Lake, it it's bad. <laughs> what I like about the air, or at least um, air adjacent, which I guess is the sky uh, about <laughs> Los Angeles, I really appreciate how sometimes at night the sky can get purple and look like it's in a Michael Mann film. Oh, yeah. I like the purple sky. Yeah, the... Our, our sky out here is just insane. Mm-hmm. If I gave a shit about nature, I would be really into it. <laughs> but I, I hate nature. Like I I never want to be in it. I like looking at nature in an air-conditioned movie theater. Yeah. Like, if Terrence Malick just wants to shoot five hours of daffodils, I will watch every <laughs> frame and be like, that's the most gorgeous thing I've ever seen. I just don't want to go out there and, like, you know, be with the bugs. and Right. The, the, I like, I'm an indoor kid. Um, I like being at my station, uh, next to my computer and my speakers and my comic book collection. Yeah, I, I am very much the same. And it, it it's funny. I did, I had a stand up bit at one point. I, I had done it right when I'd first moved here and it didn't hit as well as it had. And like, I would test it out in certain places and it would go great. And then I would go to wise guys in Salt Lake. It's the big stand up club out there mm-hmm. and it would it bombed the fir- first few times I tried it out there, and I was like, yeah, it'll do better in L.A. Bombed out here, too. But then when I would test it in other like little random situations, it would kill. And it was all about that, about how— You stole my bit? No, not oh. didn't steal your bit. So who do I look like? Louis. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, but, what was the bit? So it, it was about how everybody in Salt Lake always, you know, it's all about hiking, hiking, outdoors, outdoors, outdoors. Mm-hmm. And I, I hated hiking. Yeah, I hate, hate it every bit, of, but I don't mind it out here. Oh, okay. And I think it's because in Salt Lake and in Utah, it's survivalist hiking. Oh, so like it's it's strenuous trails, it's dirt, it's tree sap, it's cougars, it's pumas. You never know what's going to pop out at you. Whereas up here, the most dangerous thing that's going to pop out at you is a Kardashian. Mm-hmm. And I also like out here that. You know, you've got the comfort of a Starbucks at the bottom of the hill. You do, yeah. So whereas you get to the bottom of the hill in Salt Lake City and you still have yourself another mile to walk to your car. Well, there's some predators. Um, uh, you see, I didn't even did deliver that like I did. And it's still it's still now that I even say it back, isn't Oh, isn't no, it was, it was it was good. I, um, I, I was just caught up in the theory of yeah. the conversation. <laughs> um, like Dave saw uh, a, um, a coyote uh while hiking lately and the only reason i said it is because i've recently decided i am going to stop pronouncing it coyote and pronounce it coyote coyote. yeah i like saying coyote now i always used to make fun of people who would say coyote but now i'm into it i still think it's funny when people say diabetes (laughs) i don't think i'm gonna make the switch from diabetes to diabetes um but i'll go from coyote to coyote I, I will accept it. Saves time. It does it does save time. Mm-hmm. I, I, I see them 
all the time, every every morning, pretty much. I at least see one. Really? There there was a couple weeks ago. It, it was definitely a, like a, a a coyote pup, and it was kind of walking towards Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> and I I was trying to not get eaten, but at the same time, be like, don't go by there. I don't want you to get hit. Mm-hmm. Go go back up into the mountain. I know they look so cute. Yeah, I I'm I'm determined that's going to be the end of me. Is mm-hmm. finally I'm going to be like, oh, come here, and it, and she's going to eat me. Even though I know that they're more scared of humans than anything, I also know that. When fight or flight kicks in, it will eat me. Yeah. Oh, I don't think in the fight between me and Coyote, I do not see myself as the victor. No, I, I, I don't either. I mean, I guess that's... It'll be eating me and I'll still be petting it. I'm just <laughs> like, oh, look at you. Oh, I'm so glad you have a nice treat. <laughs> oh, my intestines are spilling out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would... I'm sure it's a painful way to go, but it's, it's a pretty fucking solid way to go. Yeah. I ripped g- apart by Coyote. Yeah, I... I could deal with it. Mm-hmm. So like if we were in medieval times, the bards would write a song about that. They would, and I would love to hear that song. Mm-hmm. So Ke- Kevin Allison, if you're, if, if you're listening, you can, write, <laughs> you can write that song as well, and we will uh, we will accept. <laughs> it would be worth getting eaten to death by a coyote just so Kevin could write that <laughs> song. Just so we could have, have that ballad. I've gone hiking up to the Bronson Caves, and... Um, my wife it was the first time she had encountered one as we were walking up and it kind of came over the hill and just stopped and she was just like oh my god and i was like just let it go <laughs> let, let, let it go on its way and we stopped and let it go on its way and up the next hill and it's like yeah they're pretty harmless for the most part though mm-hmm. except when they are harmful except for when they're harmful for the most part they run the other direction mm-hmm. do you want to know about the new project i'm working on yes uh, it's called Storylines. I'm so excited. It is um, uh, a f- a one. It's our uh, my new web series. Um, I'm producing it. Uh, the uh, director is a wonderful gentleman by the name of Josh Shane, and it's a storytelling web series where each episode has a storyteller telling a story, as storytellers do. Um, on the theme of travel and adventure, and it mixes live-action storytelling uh, with traditional hand-drawn animation. Oh, I like um, it. Yeah, the uh, the proof of concept is is an awful lot of fun, um, and I say that because I write all my own reviews. Um, <laughs> but that's gonna be coming out soon. Um, we're uh, we finish shooting it over the next two Fridays, and um, it'll be coming to a internet near you. That's great. So I yeah that and it's, what is it called again? Storylines. 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 Mm-hmm. Awesome. So is it is it go just going to be on YouTube or, or are you putting it out through anybody? Um, no, it'll be on the YouTube um, and it'll also be on its own website uh, dedicated specifically okay. to storylines. Um, but I'm uh, I'm I'm very very uh, um, gratified by what I've seen so far. Um, and I think it's going to be really, really, really good. Um, and hopefully we'll get to do a second season. Awesome. Well, that's really cool. I'm, I'm excited for that. You're, you always have so many little projects that I just see kind of kind of pop up, whether it's with Risk or Turtle or your storytelling class. or oh. it's, 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 always, it's always something new, and I'm always excited to, to see it, even though I feel terrible that everybody invites me to things and I don't get out to like yeah, I was like, any of them. Yeah, I was like, have you seen Turtle yet? I still have not had a chance to go. So. There's only 12 of them. So I I know there was one that uh, Moses Storm was on. Oh, he that, killed. That I was going. Moses is actually he was just on the podcast. This episode will be coming out in a few few days. When you're listening to this, it's already out. What so. was Moses? One forty four. 
140, I think. Okay, so there's five people between me and Moses. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it's I, I have all the numbers jumbled up because we're also, aside from the videos I mentioned, we're doing two episodes a week right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of episodes. Yeah, by, by October 5th, uh, Austin, who's my my uh, co-host with a lot yeah, of this. Yeah, where's he? He couldn't make it today. He's He's got a big art thing uh, downtown uh, later this week. Austin, you need to decide if you want to be an artist <laughs> or a podcaster, my friend. You can't have it both ways. Or... Or an actor. That's his primary thing. Austin, <laughs> your focus is too wide in scope. He, he balances it all very, very, very well, though. All right. Well, it's a good time to be Austin. So, yeah, he he, he, he does quite well with it all. Oh. So when I, when I was booking this, I actually said to him, I was like, I'm booking this for Tuesday. Your art stuff's Thursday. <laughs> I was like, I don't want you to overcommit. <laughs> so I, I gave him the out right away because okay. I was like, I, I, I knew already by like, yeah, the 5th of October, we were like, what have we done? Why did we promise two episodes plus filming all these videos? Yeah, why <laughs> did you do that? Because we're stupid. That's okay. the only answer. It is the only answer mm-hmm. that is, that's acceptable. It's been a hell of a lot of fun, but. Well, that's what's important. It's, it's exhausting. It's incredibly exhausting. Well, you look good. <laughs> so, well, thank you. Mm-hmm. I, was for, I was fishing for that compliment. Okay. Well, you got it. <laughs> So now we kind of we kind of jumped away from you moving to New York. Uh, so oh, so right. your dad got a job in the states. Yeah, but that was in Ohio. Um, okay. What got me uh, to New York? What What got me? Anybody can go to New York. Anybody is. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's you want to know how to get to New York? You go online, uh, purchase a plane ticket, show up at the airport, get on the right flight at the assigned time. You will land in New York, and you will be there. So I did not do anything special uh, by going to New York, but um, uh, I'd uh, finished, um, I'd graduated from the Second City Conservatory, and I'd uh, started performing more, and there's a play called Sex, a.k.a. Wieners and Boobs, uh, (laughs) that was written uh, by David Wayne, Michael Showalter, and Joe Latrulio. How am I not aware of this? I'm surprised you're not, yeah. Um, they did it like post-state pre-Stella. I think that's about where it fell in. Um, I, I need to find this somehow. Well, it's out there. You can find it. And um, so I put up uh, a production of it in Cleveland um, with, uh, you know, my uh, favorite people from uh, Second City and stuff. And um, David and show came out to see it. Oh, wow. And... Um, you know, if they would have said anything negative, like, uh, oh, you know, it was all right or whatever, then I would probably still be working in an office in Ohio. Um, but uh, David said, if you do in New York what you did on that stage, uh, I think you'll be up and working in a matter of months. And it never happened. I was never working in a matter of months. (laughs) But because he said something nice to me, um, I was like, yeah, if it wasn't for that compliment, I never would have gone and you wouldn't have been here. Um, uh, So I, but yeah, I went to New York and then uh, I, I, you know, I worked at UCB and the pit and um, I found that. I didn't really know many people in the comedy community, but I did also find that none of the people in the comedy community ever had anyone to do tech. 
So mm-hmm. uh, I taught myself to do tech, and I became the first tech for Hot Tub. And oh, wow. Yeah. And um, Hot Tub, for those that don't know, is a show that Kristen Schaal and Kurt Braunohler mm-hmm. uh, do out here at the Virgil. And um, I am no longer involved with it, and somehow they're still doing just fine, even <laughs> even without me. You know, uh, I was like, "Oh, hot tub without me, no one's gonna come." But nope, people still come every single week. As far as I know, there's zero complaints that I'm not there. Um, I For don't think I, I, I'm gonna go to one of those now, and I'm gonna be like, "Where's Beowulf?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not him behind the light fader. <laughs> Um, but no, I did, uh, New York stuff and, uh, or are you just like asking me about like my, what I've done? Just, just kind of some of New York, because I know, I know that was kind oh, of the okay. in between of, of you kind of going from, from there to here before, before you kind of came and joined the, uh, the comedy community, community here. It was always kind of one of those, those gray areas where I just knew there was this Beowulf was in New York and I knew you had like UCB stuff in new york mm-hmm. working there and yeah that was then you were here and that that was that was all i knew of the beowulf story oh okay well that was a lot of fun um but david was very generous to me um he i like asked if i could work on something with him so i could learn and uh i got to work on uh every se- well not the final one but like the first five seasons of Wayne days oh cool and um there was at one point when David was shooting role models, uh, we had to uh, come out to L.A. to do a shoot. And it was my first time in Los Angeles. And we shot on the New York set at Universal. Yeah, and wonder- we were wonderful the, set. We Well, it was. We were the last people to use it before it oh, before down. the fire. <laughs> yeah. And I maintain I had nothing to do with it. Uh, <laughs> do not point those fingers at me. Um so that was really cool. And then, um, you know, I got to work on horrible people, um, you know, made relationships that uh, with friends I still have to this day. Like I met uh, l- like just last week, I saw uh, Mather Zickel in the lead of David Rabe's uh, Good for Otto. And I met I met him doing Wayne Days and Horrible People. Um, but did you, at the same time, I was working on Wall Street. Did you ever know about any of that? No. You didn't know about that? No. You didn't know about Beowulf of Wall Street? <laughs> no, but I love it even more with that. <laughs> I was doing Wall Street the I, same I want to make an entire Scorsese-ish type thing now of the Beowulf of Wall Street. <laughs> well, you can hear the whole story on Risk. It's on the podcast. Um, yeah, I was... Uh, Doing it the same time, like, I was, you know, teching for Hot Tub. And we would always get sushi at the sushi place next to the theater every Friday. It was on Fridays then. And I would tell Kurt these stories. No, no. Was this the Chelsea one or is this the east side? Oh, the Hot Tub started at the pit. Okay. So this was next to the original pit on 29th Street, I believe. Okay. Which I think is now called the Pit Loft or something. Um, I wonder if that sushi place is still there. It was a good sushi place. And so I would uh, tell Kurt all these stories. And um, when he saw the Wolf of Wall Street trailer, <laughs> or when he saw Wolf of Wall Street, which I still have not seen, 
uh he came up to me because i was like i i lived it i don't need to see yeah um he was like all that you know crazy shit you were telling me it was all in this movie and um again uh i was like pissed off because i thought i had like a cool angle on wall street (laughs) and then you know scorsese they're gonna take his movie over mine yeah (laughs) it's it's almost like he's made some others or something Mm -hmm. yeah he has a track record yeah (laughs) <laughs> how did how did you get in get into wall street i mean going from like second city and doing this then i forest gumped my way into it i was <laughs> working in queens new york um at a place called american software technology and that name was a bit of a misdirect because the company was neither American nor did it deal with software technology. <laughs> it was a job recruitment center. And um, there was, and, and so, you know, like, it, it was one of those places they would, like, train you in, like, medical billing or other office skills. And then, you know, my part of the job was to help them get recruited for other jobs. So one day I was looking through the want ads and I saw a a one-sentence classified advertisement. Um, It read uh, WANA, literally W-A-N-N-A, WANA be a stockbroker on Wall Street? Call 212, blah, 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 (laughs) blah. So I called 212, blah, 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 blah. And the next thing I know... I'm on the 17th floor of the Donald Trump building on Wall Street um, <laughs> in a cobbled together suit uh, interviewing for a job. Please please tell me that you had the slicked back hair and everything, too. Um, I did not. I probably oh. did at some point, but not during the interview. <laughs> the, the interview was very much earthy me. <laughs> I, 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 I like to imagine that any one of those, anytime I've walked around, like around around the financial district and Wall Street, I just imagine that they go through those big doors and just like <laughs> a tub of goo just like slides onto their head as they <laughs> as they go through the doors and they're just like you are not ready for the day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I certainly worked with people who had that look. Yeah, it's I, I get the creeps every time I'm around there. I, I don't like financial people. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, even when I go to our little teeny financial district here, when I'm in. That little area over over in uh, Beverly Hills, it just uh, it, it gives me the creeps for some reason. I don't know that the people I spent time with on Wall Street were necessarily good people, uh, but I think we all know the answer to that. <laughs> but I I will say I was never bored. Oh, I can't imagine. I mean, just just for time's sake, just just what what's one of the uh, one of the stories that you recall from that time that was just. One that Kurt might have said, you know, <laughs> it's everything you told me. Well, I haven't seen uh, Wolf of Wall Street, so I don't know exactly what he was referring to. But I know that um, one story that he had a reaction to was uh, one day I had to, they challenged me to eat five Big Macs in 10 minutes uh, for something like $1,500. And because, oh, I'll tell you why. Because when I got to the theater that night or the sushi restaurant, I was still puking. And <laughs> I told him why. And I think Kristen was horrified. I, I don't think um, she found the fact that I was harming myself as amusing. 
as uh, because you know she's a very good person. Um, but uh, I I remember I got Kurt's attention with that. I remember the first time I. Uh, I took the series seven. I failed the series seven the first time I took it, and I was like showing him the results. And I think he was like looking at that as like, "Oh my god, you actually are on Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> You're taking a comedy show at night and mm-hmm. and running running financials and stuff during the day." And they didn't get on like they knew that I did comedy stuff, but they didn't get that I wasn't like Lorne Michaels. Like they could not get it through their head that I like. Every, every day I was told, you know, people like Tina Fey, that's the kind of people you should be bringing into this firm. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know Tina Fey. And even if I did, I don't think she's uh, going to invest in Stratus. That was the stock we had the IPO <laughs> on. I don't know. Maybe maybe I missed the boat. Maybe Tina Fey was really looking to invest in Stratus. Yeah. May, who, who knows? I mean, at that point in her career, she was just still at SNL, right? I think so. Like she, she, she really wasn't the Tina Fey of today. So, I think she was well on her way. Like I think, I was there during Katrina because I remember. Okay, yeah, she was well on her way then too. Yeah, because I remember being in the office uh, when Kanye said George Bush doesn't care about black people. Now fast forward ten years. <laughs> when I saw, I'll tell you what I think about Kanye. When I saw George Michael uh, live in two thousand nine, at one point he got on his uh, his knees and said to the sold-out stadium audience, uh, I just want to get down on my knees and from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being a George Michael fan because I know I have not made it easy. And that's what I think about with Kanye. It's like, Kanye, you are not making it easy right now. <laughs> he, he really isn't. I, I mean, I, I think back to College Dropout, and like, I love that album. And, I, then, and there I, was, there I was love it. I love every album. His, his last one, I didn't. I didn't care that much for. Well, my favorite song on his last album was the one he did the rant on on oh, SNL, yeah. and uh, like I love that song so much. Oh, it's such a good song. Everything I love about soul and hip hop together, and but I I was like when I heard it, I was uh, like I would love to hear this with the band. And I think what most people are not focusing on, and I understand why, but when he played that song, not enough people are talking about just how hot that band was. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and I see that his political rant probably, you know... Took it, that it, focus away. It's the more <laughs> noteworthy aspect yeah. of that performance. But, like, listen to the bassist. Listen to the guitarist. They are just fucking cooking. L- l- like Pete Davidson said, though, this week at Weekend Update, if if you've done enough that makes him pay attention to politics. <laughs> 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 so so, so you, you had been teching, teching Hot Tub and everything in New York mm-hmm. and doing Wall Street. And then with everything with David Wayne, is that, after your experience out here, was that what kind of convinced you to move this way, or what kind of, what well, kind of gave you the, the the gall to move out here? Well, the first time uh, I came out here, um, and I was a total New York driver too. Like I had, uh, I did an illegal U-turn, and a motorcycle cop followed me on set, 
Um, <laughs> and I, I remember the line producer, Franny Baldwin, was like, look, he's from out of town. He's really nice. And the cop was like, ma'am, I'm sure he's really nice. But if I didn't give a ticket to everyone who was really nice. And then I also had uh, my rental car towed at one point because they said <laughs> I was blocking the driveway. Um but no, I was uh, very enchanted by L.A. the first time I came out. And it, 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 like, it wasn't like that when I moved here. Because like, uh, for those of you who've never been to Hollywood and you just have these romantic, you know, like old-timey movie ideas of how glamorous Hollywood is, it's not. Hollywood's a fucking dump. Yeah, it's an absolute dump. We, mm-hmm. We've referenced that many times on here. Like, Okay, so this is not new information. If, 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 if you don't run across the schizophrenic homeless person within your first ten minutes, you're not in Hollywood. Well, I mean, you get those <laughs> in New York, but they're just... They're, they're way more charming in New York. Yeah. Um, they're more real. Um, but I was also... I, I thought I was at a point where... Like, I, I was doing a show that I was very, very proud of in New York called The Sitcom, where uh, I would write in a, uh, a full episode of, you know, each show was the next episode in this ongoing season of The Sitcom uh, of these characters. And there were seven episodes. Um, so I, you know, essentially wrote seven, like, 40-minute plays. And um, I thought they were great. I still think they were great. Maybe they weren't. I mean, I'm probably biased because <laughs> I wrote them, uh, but it was it was my humor, um, and I thought I was at the next level. And uh, oh, I also that's when I got involved with Risk because um, this is weird. Uh, Kevin Allison lived across the street from me in New York. Oh, cool. Yeah, I. Total accident. I would cats it for him, like uh, <laughs> when he was, um, you know, out of town. And then Kevin eventually became uh, the artistic director at the Pit for a period of time um, while I was working there. And um, also, one of my fondest memories is Kevin's solo show, Fuck Up. Now, have you ever heard him tell the story about um, why he started Risk? I believe he did when he was on the podcast, okay. but that's been a few years, so, so refresh me. Okay, I'll paraphrase, um, and none of this is inside information. This is stuff Kevin has said like thousands of times, so it's not like I'm talking out of turn. Um, he, I, I believe there's a book about it. <laughs> there is, yeah. <laughs> um, there's, he did a show called Fuck Up, and uh, the show um, was like, I think six or seven different characters that he wrote. I th- maybe one or two of them got cut out during workshops. Um, but it was a Kevin Allison solo show, and it was incredible. If you were a fan of the state, there is no reason you would not be doing cartwheels over Kevin's show Fuck Up. And Kevin's show was very tech-heavy, and I know it was tech-heavy because I designed the tech, and I was his tech guy. And, um, you know, occasionally we would do like, you know, little small out of town shows. But when he went to do it at San Francisco, they uh, they wouldn't pay for me to go out there and tech it. And they assured him that their tech guy would do it. And it, it was just a disaster. Like, none what, of was this for like Sketchfest? Or was yeah. This? Okay. And so like it because, you know, the writing was great. 
But because of this guy who just didn't know what the fuck he was doing, the show did not go over well. So Kevin did not have a positive experience, and he was talking to Michael Ian Black, and um, Michael said something to the effect of, you know, these stories you tell, get on stage and tell those, and Kevin said, I don't know, that just, you know, feels too risky, and bom, 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 the eureka moment happened, but... Like, the risk mythology is that risk happened because fuck up was a disaster. And I'm here to say that is not true. Fuck up was an amazing, hilarious, hilarious show that just did not get teched well by this guy in San Francisco. And maybe it's for the best, because if they did get me out to, to Sketchfest to do it, maybe risk wouldn't have happened. Um but I just like to throw in there because Ke- Kevin likes to beat himself up over that show. <laughs> and I am a Kevin fan and it makes me mad because it's a great show um, that no one will probably ever see again. Um, but anyway, so when uh, Risk started, uh, I was their tech guy. And um, when I sort of got ready to do, uh, you know, to move to L.A., Kevin asked me if I had a story in me. And I was like, yeah, I think I do. And I'd never really done storytelling before. My girlfriend at the time was in a storytelling class, and I was uncomfortable with how jealous I was because she seemed it, it seemed to be something that I would have really enjoyed doing. But I felt, and this is stupid. I don't know why I felt it. I mean, she certainly didn't, you know, think I should feel this way. But I think at the time I was like, well, that's her thing. So I I'll just do something that's my thing. But I I didn't want to do my thing. I wanted to do that thing. And um, it, it went really, really well. It was like after that show, um, I don't know, there's a lot of stuff I could say about it, but in the interest of time, I, I won't because it'll sound too self-congratulating, <laughs> even for me. Um, but I just felt different after I did it. I, uh, I thought, oh, um, you know, I think this is the path that... Uh, uh, I, I need to follow. And when I moved to Los Angeles, it wasn't to, to do the Los Angeles Risk Show. I just, you know, it wasn't being taken care of over here um, just because while Kevin is incredibly talented, he does not know how to be in two places at once. Um, Come so on, Kevin, step it up. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Hope could be in two places at once. Um <laughs> But, yeah, nobody was taking care of the show over here. Like, I remember the first time I showed up to... Because it, it would sell out, like, you know, every month in New York. And then when I showed up to the my first month to one here, um, you know, I found out there were 13 pre-sales, and, which is not many pre-sales. No. And Pete Holmes goes, 13, that's a lot for risk. And when I heard that, I was like, oh. And then... Um, you By know. the way, that was a good Pete Holmes impression. Was it? I wasn't even trying. <laughs> are, are you joking? Did either either just... that or I just heard it in Pete's voice so clearly. Okay. It was just the, that's good for us. Like, I, I totally heard it in Pete's voice as you did that. Oh, all right. So people are probably going to listen back and be like, that was not a good one. But in my head, I heard Pete saying it. Too late. Now it's on my resume. <laughs> Pete Holmes impression. Pete Holmes impression. The only Pete Holmes impression that I think I could do was... Uh, Pete Holmes impression of David Bowie singing Let's Dance. Um, <laughs> Let's hear it. I don't know if I could... Uh, well, okay, this is Pete doing it, though. Okay. 
Let's dance. <laughs> There's a lot of head movement. There is going a lot of there. head movement, and it's it's almost more of a visual. Yeah. Uh, that 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 you need there. I was lucky enough to be with Pete the night Bowie died, and I was sad that Bowie died. Um, but uh, he just kept doing that one sentence "Let's dance" impression. And it made me laugh so hard <laughs> that for like a split second, I mean, my laughter was so hard that it was almost worth Bowie dying. <laughs> but then it wasn't worth Bowie dying because if he didn't die, he, well, he would still be alive, which is good for everyone. Yes. But also, if he could have just held on for a few more months, he would have been in the new season of Twin Peaks. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, his character was still represented in the new season of Twin Peaks. But um, it just obviously couldn't be David Bowie because David Bowie was no longer David Bowie. Right. So that's heartbreaking. So mm-hmm. he, it, it would it would have been great to have him in there. Yeah, it, it would have. Um, he and Lynch were friends. That brings us back to Twin Peaks again, my pillow. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I guess that, like, I don't know. I guess if I wanted to wrap up... My, I, I, you know, I grew up loving the state, watching every episode yeah. of the state. I had every episode of the state on tape. I would make sure all my friends were watching the state, and I, I still have it on DVD. And uh, oh, I won't. I have my own DVDs because yeah. I won't accept the uh, the officially released DVD because that has like the voiceovers and the alternate music because they no mm. longer have the rights to the original ones, and that really makes me mad because the songs that they used that they don't have the rights for, those songs weren't arbitrarily selected. Like those were very carefully part of the texture. And um, they really contribute to the the comedy of the scene. Like they knew what th- they were doing. Um, so I think it diminishes uh, the scenes. Not that the scenes don't stand on their own without the music, but if they couldn't get that music, my guess is they would have done something instead to maintain that extra level yeah. of texture. Um, that's my. No one's told me that. Uh, that's just my interpretation of it. Um, but uh, I got to tech the state reunion at um, Festival Supreme. It's the uh, the biggest thing I've ever teched. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, it was. And the generator fucking blew out, like, right oh, before their no. show. And, um, yeah, but... Uh, the, it, it was incredible. It, it was like, you know, short of being asked to join the state, which I'm pretty sure they're not planning to do. <laughs> um, it's the closest I could go to living out my dreams. But I'll end it with this. You're a state fan, right? Love it. Okay. Are you familiar with uh, the announcing the MTV's Sleep with the State essay contest? I believe I, I've heard it referenced before. It's just it's one of those uh, where Mike Black comes out and is like, "Hi, we're the state," and like he's talking, and the rest of the state's behind them. And it's it's something along the lines of, "We're here to announce the uh, oh, it, it's something like you know, 
people think that just because you're on TV, uh, you get a lot of sex, and we're here to say nothing could be further from the truth. So we're announcing the uh, MTV Sleep with the State essay contest, <laughs> except the fat ass and legal department won't let us call it an essay contest. So we're calling it a concept. And um, all you have to do to write in is write in a postcard and say, I want to sleep with the state. And then he like took out a sample postcard and is like, dear MTV, I want to sleep with the state. And he's like, great, you win. Uh, so it was, um, you know, it was a funny sketch. Uh, but so we, we rehearsed for how long was the rehearsal for the reunion show? It was it wasn't that many days, but it was like nothing but rehearsal. It was like a, a concentrated period, but like of intense rehearsal. And before the actual show, half of the state le- went out to do whatever the fuck they did. And the other half of the state, it was me, uh, Carrie Kenny, Ken Marino, Showalter, and Todd Hollebeck. Um, we just like took naps because they had couches like all over this space. And so there was like a square of couches and like we each took a couch. And um, I think Showalter had um, something like that with, you know, what, what do you call a seat? Uh, like? A lazy boy? Yeah, is that a lazy boy with like a where the la- the just the l- bottom kind of kick out? Um, y- well, no, but it's got that ottoman thing. It was a very comfortable thing. Yeah. Anyway, we're all uh just sleeping, and uh, I woke up for a second, and it had occurred to me, holy shit, I won the MTV Sleep with the Sleep <laughs> contest. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, maybe I won't accomplish much else in life, but uh, if you would have told 15-year-old me that, then that would have been all I needed to yeah. know. To know The other thing, that if you could have told 15-year-old me that when I was an adult, I would have not just HBO, but also Showtime, I'd be like, oh, that's it. I must be the most successful person yeah. ever. No, I, 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 think, I think I would have thought the same thing. When I can have it by itself and it'll stream to me on a little box? Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> uh, but yeah, my two favorite things in the world are naps and uh, the state. And I napped with the state and it was... Uh, there's no that, there's no going up from there. That's just... No. Unless they ask me to join the group. But as I said, I, <laughs> I don't think that's even been brought up. <laughs> Maybe we can start the rumor here. Yeah, the, the, this this is just passive aggressively pushing you into the state. <laughs> they'll they'll go back to all the old DVDs and just superimpose you. Oh, I would into love it. it. <laughs> if I had enough money, I would probably hire somebody to do that. <laughs> you know, just copies for myself. Yeah. I don't know anyone in the state would be interested in it, but so, somewhere like Tom Lennon or, or Joe or one of them is just <laughs> like I don't remember him being in there. That's uh, well, did, does anybody else remember that guy? <laughs> So I mean, you you get out here. You you Emily Gordon brings you on at Meltdown. Well, she was just the one who approved me. I mean, okay, like uh, approved my hiring. I I don't have um, I I don't know Emily that well. I've always had I, she's wonderful, and every interaction yeah. I've had with her is fantastic. But like, I was you know, uh, I'd I'd hate to give the impression that like Emily Gordon was like. We need to have him on staff. We've heard about his Wall Street and hot tub stories. 
So I mean, Melt- Meltdown was a, was a special place for mm-hmm. for so many of us. It's it's where I of course met you, and mm-hmm. we carried podiums together. And we did. <laughs> oh, I haven't thought about carrying podiums since the last time I carried a podium. <laughs> I would carry a podium again. That's how much I love that place. Like I'm I'm scarred from web series. Like I can't walk past a shoot without like getting scared someone's gonna ask me to carry a c-stand <laughs> but i would definitely anybody that's ever worked on a film set knows that fear <laughs> yeah there's only so many c-stands i want to carry and i feel like i have logged hours carrying c-stands <laughs> and there is no need for me to ever lug a c-stand again um but no i would i would carry podiums for for meltdown uh i don't know it's it's really sad. It could still be there now if it wasn't yeah. for certain parties. Yes, yes, it could. I, I enjoyed the Russell Brand show, um, and I I teched it, and Aristotle uh, recorded it, and Aristotle sent me a clipping of uh, the <laughs> one bit of audio where Russell Brand is talking about uh, where he know, talks Bay about your Wolf name, yeah, and Aristotle. <laughs> And, and he's like, both of them are in there, and none of them know how the equipment works. <laughs> I should, you should just play that audio clip instead of me saying it because I'll send it to you. Will, will right. you overdub it? I will. I will overdub it now. Okay. As the two guys that work in there are called Beowulf and Aristotle. That ain't even a fucking joke. Beowulf, one of the oldest uh, known bit of storytelling, right? Beowulf. And Aristotle, one of the founders of our modern understanding of poetics and story, they're both in there. (laughs) And fucking neither one of them can operate the machinery. That, you were right, that was fantastic. Mm -hmm. That was, so yeah, it was, uh, those those Russell Brand shows were, I didn't know what to expect going into those shows. Well, I was terrified because we, uh, our, HDMI cords were haunted. Uh, that's the only... Sometimes they would work, sometimes they wouldn't. I and learned that all too well showing the Meltdown video at the final party. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and it didn't matter how many new HDMI cords we bought, the, the, it just fucking it sometimes wouldn't work. And I was like, I don't want to be the guy who looks like an idiot at a Russell Brand show because the... HDMI cables aren't working. Right. Um, so I basically used the force and like tried to actively <laughs> channel any good karma I had coming my way into that HDMI cable just so I wouldn't look stupid on stage. Yeah, th- those HDMI cables, luckily for the magic of Kyle Clark and his bag of tricks that he had sitting in his car. So it, it crapped out on us halfway through mm-hmm. watching the Meltdown video during the final party. Actually, wait a and minute. Hold Kyle on. Kyle just ran out. To, he's like, "Don't worry, I got something in my car." And we were just like, "And, and your runs out to his car, runs right back, and then the video worked again." Aw, <laughs> I, I I misspoke though. It wasn't the cable; it was the adapter that was fucked ah. up. Like, if we could plug the HDMI in direct, this has got to be fascinating to anyone. Yeah, and <laughs> there's some tech Tell me out more that's like, about the tech on, the, the adapter that's no yes. longer there. <laughs> So, but meltdown, meltdown definitely held some some incredible memories, and it's it's made it. I'm I'm so grateful for everybody that that I've that I've got to know through there, and 
a, a, a lot of people are now coming onto the podcast to talk about their their new projects and things that they're doing and it, it's nice to be able to kind of catch up with everybody because i mean it's been several months and it was a uh it, it it affected all of us on different levels and it was it was so sad to see it go and even even now when i drive down sunset it's it's just not the same well it's we're i i teach at the ruby yeah which so is the rebranded nerdist school yeah so i'm like you know multiple times a week i'm right next door to the i mean the green room of the ruby there's only like a thin sheet of plywood separating it from mm-hmm. you know uh from meltdown or what was formerly meltdown so it's it's i don't know it's odd yeah because there was just the door there that you'd wa- you'd walk into the green room mm-hmm. into the nerdist school like we, we right recorded the podcast plywood there. is six years of my heart yeah yeah, we, we recorded the podcast uh, at the, in the studio there that's now at the Ruby a few times, and then uh, of course that meltdown and it. Uh, so so it's weird to be like, oh, it's. Uh, yeah, it makes me sad. I don't think I'm gonna get another meltdown in my life, but somebody else will probably get one in theirs. So, so somebody will, and like like Kyle Clark said on the video. You know, it, it's going to be one of those things that years down the line, people are going to talk to any of us that that were a part of it. And it's going to be one of those things that are like people are going to be like, holy shit, like you were you were <laughs> part of Meltdown. Like, what what was that like? Tell, tell me the stories. <laughs> so and, and it's kind of crazy to think that, yeah, we all are going to have that moment where we get to be the old man telling the story of of the things we experienced at Meltdown. And you you were fortunate enough to have many of those moments i was i already feel old <laughs> now you just got to sit out on your porch and just yell at the kids for across across the street at the school yeah talk about in my day the music <laughs> was different i saw a band by the name of nirvana which is true i did see nirvana oh wow yeah some on halloween night um their last tour uh kurt came out dressed as barney the dinosaur but he had his hands free, so he could play guitar. Yeah. And Pat Smear was dressed as Slash and, like, beat Barney over the head with his guitar and killed him and then dragged the body off stage. And um, Dave Grohl was, like, a mummy or something. I don't think he felt the spirit of it as much as everyone yeah. else. And do you remember the Ted Danson-Whoopi Goldberg scandal? No. You don't remember that? He... Um, they were together. They were a couple, and they did like a um, press conference where I believe Ted Danson was wearing blackface and made a joke that probably would not go over very well today. I don't think it went over very well at the time. Um, I'm sure it's easily Googleable. I'm not going to say it. But uh, Chris Novoselic came out in whiteface and said to the audience, I'm the opposite of Ted Danson. <laughs> It's a very time specific. Reference. Yes, it, yeah, it's a, it's a very like, and this week in what nineteen ninety three, and you know I wasn't even I was still uh, some years from being old enough to drive, but I had a cool uh, older friend, um, and I knew he was cool because he had long hair and he was the only guy. I knew yeah, that was a signifier. Hair. And uh, so I was like so nervous and vulnerable when I went up to him. I was like, you know, look, Nirvana's coming to town. If I buy you a ticket will you drive me to the con and he was playing it off like geez all right fine if you 
buy the Nirvana ticket for me, I guess I will go see Nirvana, whatever, you know, as a favor to you. Yeah. Um, Inside, he, you know, he was just like, oh, my God, I'm going to see Nirvana. Yeah, yeah. He, he was he was thrilled. Um, but, yeah. It was a good night. That's amazing. So I, I'm very jealous of that. Yeah, it was before they did Unplugged, so I heard Jesus Wants Me for a Sunbeam uh, for the first time that Oh, night. wow, that's cool. Yeah, and it blew my mind. So I'm, I'm so glad that we were finally able to do this. I know I, know I reached out to you a while back, and just like, hey, do you want to do this? And it was like right during the time of us prepping everything for San Diego Comic-Con, and mm-hmm. that always knocks me on my head for a good a month and a prep. half. <laughs> a lot of prep. So I'm glad that you know we... We, we stuck with it and, and, and were able to get this uh, set up. So it's, Well, thank you for having me. It, it's fun learning all of these new stories about you, other than just Beowulf came from New York and was at Meltdown. Like, that was... <laughs> sure. Well, if you want to know even more stories about Beowulf, you can go to risk-show.com, uh, click on listen, enter the name Beowulf Jones, and my episodes will come up. Wonderful. So, and where can people find you on social media? We discussed Beowulf Reads X-Men. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm on Twitter at I am Beowulf Jones. Follow me there. And I'm on Instagram at Beowulf Jones. And I know that it's frustrating that it's a different handle on Twitter than it is on Instagram. But that's the way it is. I couldn't get them both. Um, and uh, that's B E O W U L F, not O. And um, follow me on social media or your children will die. You heard it here first. Your kids will die. Dead. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again, Beowulf, for letting me come over and, 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 and fill your Twin Peaks pillow. Thank you. <laughs> we'll see you.